Do you and your spouse have the same set of parenting priorities as you raise your children? Barbara Rainey remembers when she and her husband Dennis sat down and compared notes. What was surprising to me was how different our lists were. I shouldn't have been surprised because we've been clashing over this. But nonetheless, I I think when you get married, you think, oh, we have so much in common. And then after, you know, a few years or maybe after the kids come along, you realize, well, maybe we're operating off of two different sets of instructions. This is Family Life Today. Our host is Dennis Rainey, and I'm Bob Lapine. What can you do as parents to make sure you're on the same page and that your values are in sync together as you raise your children. We'll spend time talking to Dennis and Barbara Rainey about that today. Stay with us. And welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks for joining us. We're spending some time this week doing some pre-parenting counseling. We talked about the fact that a lot of couples get premarital counseling, and a lot of couples, when they're expecting a baby, they go to birthing classes, but nobody's doing mm-hmm. parenting classes. Well, we're doing parenting classes now with the Art of Parenting mm-hmm. video series, and, uh, and, and with your new book, The Art of Parenting, that is now available your goal with that book and our goal with the series is to equip moms and dads to have a big-picture perspective on what God's called them to do. Exactly. And uh, we're joined again on Family Life Today with Barbara. Welcome back to the broadcast, sweetheart. Thank you much. Glad to be here. Here's the thing about children. I think most of us look at our children way too simplistically. Uh, and let me depart from a conversation about children at this point and just talk about the weekend to remember marriage getaway. One of the things we do at that getaway is we cast marriage in the grand scheme of things of what God is up to on planet Earth. We say to couples, your marriage just isn't about two people trying to get their needs met. Your marriage is supposed to demonstrate who God is to a fallen planet. And there are angels looking onto the planet. They're in the audience watching how you two handle your conflict. Well, you know what? The same thing is true about children. It's not just a little person. You're talking about an eternal being. In the Art of Parenting video series, which uh, we just launched, we've got a number of uh, marriage and family experts in there, one of whom is is Tim Kimmel. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim and Darcy have been on the, the Weekend Member Speaker team for a number of years, and one of the things that he said in this series on the Art of Parenting was he said, I know how long children live. They're eternal. Mm-hmm. They last forever. That means, Bob, that they are, they are worth so much more than any of us ever imagined at a point in time. And I think it's why we need to go back to the book, back to the Bible, and just read and, and see how children are described. And I'm going to go to, I think, a classic passage in the Old Testament, Psalm 127, verses 3 through 5, that describes children. It says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Not a curse, but a benefit, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. Mm -hmm. The picture here, I want every parent to imagine this with me. 
God could have chosen any metaphor in, uh, in existence to have described kids, but he chose arrows. And he pictures a warrior like arrows in the hand of a warrior. What's the warrior doing? He's engaged in battle. What are you as a parent doing? You are engaged in a battle over the soul, the moral condition, and the development of your child to be used by God in his generation. So the question is, are you viewing your assignment as a sacred assignment, children being a heritage, a reward, a blessing? I'm sorry to get so uh, (laughs) intense here at the beginning of the broadcast, Bob, but I just think there's a lot of really lazy thinking about children. And we forget it's so easy in the midst of the battle. We aren't raising rugrats. We're raising image bearers who who reflect who God is and will carry on in the next generation. If you were sitting down with a couple who were about to begin that journey, Barbara, one of the things I know you would tell them is you need to begin your parenting journey with the end in mind Rather than thinking about the first six months, think about a 20-year-old who is ready to be launched and start now thinking, what do we want that 20-year-old to be shaped by? What do we want the influences in that 20-year-old's life to look like so that all the choices you're making along the way are choices that support uh, that vision? Exactly. And I think a lot of parents don't think about that. They're trying to survive today. (laughs) They might be worried about what's happening tomorrow because they've got a to-do list longer than their arm, but they're not thinking about what the outcome is for their kids when they're 18 or 20 or 21. They're thinking about surviving the immediate future. But we all know that if we can think ahead to what we want something to become, then we're going to make decisions today that will help help achieve that outcome. And parenting is really no different. What do you want your kids to be like when they leave your influence, when they leave for college or go into the military or get married, whatever? What what do, what characteristics, what qualities, what attributes do you want to invest in your children to see grow and determine who your kids become? And I think with us, we were, uh, we were pretty nebulous. So we kind of knew... In a, in a general way, what mm-hmm. we wanted for our kids, but I don't think we'd put words or, or even values mm-hmm. to it. So if you had said to me when a child is two years old, what, what's your hope or dream? Well, you know, I'd have said, I want them to love the Lord. I want them to, um, uh, to have a good work ethic. I want them to know how to get married to somebody, be a good but mostly you just want them to be potty trained at two. <laughs> You're right. I, mean, I, I might have been able to go to to a big picture, but honestly, my big picture probably would have been shaped more by suburban American values than by what God says ought to be the values you're raising your kids with. Well, and we were essentially the same. We didn't really start thinking about values in specific terms until maybe our oldest was, say, mid-elementary. Right. Somewhere in that time frame, we started realizing that Dennis and I, and the reason we did this was practical because Dennis and I came with different values into our marriage, which most couples do. You have a lot of things in common. We had a lot in common. But we also had a lot of values that were different. There was a a Saturday where this 
this became clear to you mm-hmm. that you were not valuing the same things. Yeah, because on Saturday in my house, we worked. We washed windows. My dad had us. He was a, you know, he'd spent some time in the Army in World War II, and he had his kids lined up and ready for battle on Saturday mornings. <laughs> you got up early. And we'd get our chores done. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that was I thought that was what every family did. It never occurred to me that anybody else lived any other way because I had no comprehension of how other families spent their Saturdays other than what I did. Did you not do chores on Saturdays at your house? I do not remember (laughs) ever being told to do chores. I thought it was every child's American right (laughs) to be able to uh, nuzzle in next to my dad and watch the Game of the week. On TV. On TV. The baseball, the ba- game. baseball game. Because my dad was into into baseball. And uh, that was just what we did on Saturday. Saturday was about fun at your house. It was. And and uh, I'm sure I had to do some things, but I really don't remember <laughs> about chores. So there was a particular Saturday. I've heard you, you say oh my what, goodness. you were packing the kids off for a fishing trip, right? Oh, yeah. And uh, I still remember Barbara on the back porch. <laughs> With her arms folded as I backed out of the driveway and pulled off to go fishing. Do you remember this? Your face is getting... I mean, I'm reliving the moment. I I had a couple of the kids. Daddy was being... He was being playful daddy. Let's go fishing. So I took, you know, a couple of... Well, you took the older ones and left me with the little ones who needed naps and diapers and... Were you scowling a bit? Oh, I'm sure I was scowling a lot. And so I I get out there and we're in this boat and it wasn't much of of a boat. It was just a little aluminum boat and it was rocking and the fish weren't biting. Mm hmm and I kept thinking about Barbara on the back porch. And I just didn't keep fishing. I said, you know, this is the wrong picture right here. This is a, this is a husband who is being selfish. And I said, come on, kids. We're going back home to see Mama. And I think, truth be told, you were probably thinking in the back of your mind, the longer I stay out here, the more trouble I'm going to be in when I wind up getting home, don't you think? You know, I, I guess, Bob, <laughs> I was just kind of ashamed of what I'd done. I, I pulled out of the driveway and, and looked at Barbara, and, and I thought about it at that point. It's like, what are you doing? Well, I want to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. So I drove off. <laughs> but I turned around pretty quickly, and that, that day of fishing didn't last very long. So that led to the two of you... Actually getting some time away together mm-hmm. to map out what are the things we value and what right. what matters to us. Was this something that you just came to off the top of your head? It really was. And I think it was because all these clashes around our values. Exactly. And so we we were on a retreat north of Little Rock, about an hour and a half on Greer's Ferry Lake. And <laughs> where you could do some fishing. Where we could do some fishing, but I But, but I there were no kids. And, and I just remember, I think what was happening, Bob, is I think the pain of our differing values had, had reached such a point that I was looking for some relief. I thought, this just isn't, this is not good. That You would say this doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good. <laughs> and so I told Barbara, I said, you get alone by yourself and you pray and read the Bible and think and list out your top 10 values that you want to teach the kids. And I'll do the same. You're going to be over there. I'm going to be over here. Let's take about an hour, as I recall. And um, then after you've got your top 10, I want you to prioritize the top five. And let's get back together. And honestly, Bob, no one told me to do this. It was just, I 
I was facing a time when I wasn't agreeing with my wife about a lot of things in raising the kids and felt a need for us to be singing off the same song sheet. So she did that, I did that, and we got together, and our, our lists were the same on a few and very different on others. Yeah, and we had decided that we were not going to put love God and walk with Him on our list. because not over, we, overly spiritualized. Right, because we both knew that we both valued that. Right. That was a commonality that was without dispute or without question in our relationship. We knew that was important to us. We knew that that was the most important thing we wanted to instill in our kids. So we, we said, that's going to be off the table. Let's put all the other things. So like work ethic and having time to play together and learning how to forgive and love other people and having good manners. And we just went on and on down the list. And what was surprising to me was how different our lists were. I shouldn't have been surprised because we've been clashing over this. But nonetheless, I, I think when you get married, you think, oh, we have so much in common. Right. And then after you know, a few years or maybe after the kids come along, you realize, well, maybe we're operating off of two different sets of instructions. Yeah, I heard somebody say once that the unknowns that we have about each other when we get married, we fill in those unknowns <clears throat> That's for mm-hmm. sure. with what we assume the other person is going to think like us. Right, exactly. And it's only later that we go, oh. Oh, you don't think that you way. You don't think that way. <laughs> so things like raising kids with a work ethic, mm-hmm. that didn't show up on your list, did it, it? It was not one of my top five. And and it's not that you don't believe in a work ethic. You have a good work ethic you right. have throughout your life. It's just one of those things that wasn't – you kind of assumed it would happen rather than it being something that needed to be built into a child. And it, it became clear it was one of Barbara's top five. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it caused some very good conversations mm-hmm. to occur around how we spent our Saturdays because what was one of my top five? Building relationships with our kids and and having fun together. There are really two points you're making here, and both of these are are things you have counseled parents with. One is mom and dad need to be on the same page Mm -hmm. when they're raising the kids. And two, they need to spend the time talking about what is it that we really value. Uh, Some families have come up with a family core value sheet and put it up in their home. They teach their kids these are our Mm -hmm. values. The fact that we're Lapines, this is what that means. The fact that we're Rainies, this is what that Mm -hmm. means. That's that can be a really good exercise where kids grow up going, in our family, we value hard work. Mm-hmm. In our family, we value being kind to one another. Figuring out what are those those critical, important core values that you're going to emphasize with your kids. And uh, what I didn't anticipate is how many problems this would address later on in raising teenagers. It was immediately practical to our young family. As I recall at that point, well, we have four or five Probably children. four. That, that list, Bob, where we got together and prioritized our top five, where I, I gave in, caved in <laughs> to Barbara's desire to train our kids with a work ethic, which, by the way, I am so glad she did. Mm. All of our kids know how to work, and they know how to work as adults now. And there's not a lot of uh, young people today who are learning what it means to really serve their boss and go out of their way to, to serve them well. But what I wasn't counting on is when they became teenagers, and we were making decisions out of our values, and we were comparing our decisions with our friends. And it is so easy to doubt your decisions. But if you have hammered out what you agree to and what 
our family's going to stand for, it enables you not to do what the Joneses are doing, Mm -hmm. but to do what you're supposed to do. Exactly. And so one of the things that we did when our children became teenagers is all of our kids began to work at Chick-fil-A. And we did that for several reasons. One is we wanted them to learn to follow direction from somebody besides mom and dad. We wanted them to learn how to serve other people with a good attitude. And we wanted them to learn how to have a good work ethic for someone else besides mom and dad, too. Uh And it taught them how to build relationships. But we did that in such a way that they worked on Saturdays, but they didn't work all day Saturday. And so sort of our pattern became get your chores done, get your work done in the first half of the day. And then in the second half of our Saturdays when we were home, that would be when we'd do fun. So your having fun was a reward for getting your chores done or getting your work done or after you'd put in your time at Chick-fil-A. Then we went and did whatever was fun. So we did both of those things, and we found a way to, to keep both of those values that we each brought into our marriage and into our parenting to keep them both alive and to feed off of each other. By the way, did you hear about the, the mom, this was a couple months ago, who gave birth at a Chick-fil-A? No, I didn't. Yeah, she actually <laughs> had the baby at a Chick-fil-A, and the baby was given Chick-fil-A for life <laughs> and was, was offered a job. That baby has a job waiting for, I think it was a girl, when she turns 14, she can have a job at Chick-fil-A. They've already offered her a job. That's hilarious. So there you go. <laughs> well, and the thing I like about I think it, there are more pregnant moms going, we're going to Chick-fil-A today. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. The thing I liked about it is it reinforced uh, a core value of Barbara's, which became mine. But Barbara's always had a core value of honoring the Sabbath hmm. and let Sunday be Sunday. And... The cool thing about it, we didn't have to battle our kids' schedule around work on Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon. We could go to church, and we could have time for margin and for freedom. So rest, was that one of your core values, that there be a time of rest? It wasn't in that first year, because what we ended up doing is we we created our top 10 list, and then, you know, two weeks later, I'd go, oh, gee, why didn't I write that on my list? And Mm -hmm. then we'd add to it. So we had this growing, mushrooming list that we kept adding to over the years. And keeping the Sabbath and honoring a season of rest in our lives was added on later. One other thing, Barbara, I want you to tell the story of how uh, our core values ultimately helped us make a decision that we couldn't agree to. Had to do with Rebecca and gymnastics. I thought about that a minute ago when we were talking about it. Um, Our fourth, Rebecca... was born limber. I don't know where she got it. She didn't get it from me, I don't think, and I don't think she got it from you either, did she? But the child was just naturally flexible. Why are you looking at me and laughing, Bob? Because <laughs> <laughs> I look like a gymnast. <laughs> of course I do. I've seen your level of limberness. Yeah. Oh, anyway, she just naturally knew how to do the splits. She could just sit that way if she wanted to. So anyway, when she was in first or second grade, somewhere along the line, we put her in gymnastics and it was just great fun and she loved it. And because she was naturally good at it, she advanced pretty quickly. And by the time she was in fifth grade, she was being um, recruited to go to the next level and gymnastics has 10 or maybe more levels now, Um, but they were pushing her into the next level. And so we were trying to decide what we were going to do about this because it meant more hours a week. It meant farther driving time because the gym that she would have to go to was at least 45 minutes one way. And it meant Uh that she was going to be spending more and more time at the gym after school every day and into the evenings. It would mess up our family dinner hour and all kinds of things. 
And so Dennis and I began a three-month conversation. Have you ever had a conversation that lasted three months? <laughs> I don't think so. You don't think so? Would you like to know why it lasted three months? Because um, we never got to agreement. We, we never solved it. <laughs> we didn't get to an agreement. And I was determined not to just, boom, decision made. Right. I wanted to honor my wife because I believe she's perfect for me. And together, uh, we reflect what God wants our kids to be about. So I was listening to her for all of her reasons why she wanted Rebecca to continue on in competition. And we didn't talk about it every day, but it did take us three months to finally come to a consensus. And it was lots of conversations where we went back and forth over the same things over and over again. And I really wanted her to stay because she was really good. And I have always loved gymnastics. It's a beautiful sport. And I I kept thinking, maybe she'll get a college scholarship. Maybe she can go to the Olympics. You know, I had these visions and dreams of what she might do. And Dennis's side of the conversation was always, yeah, but she'll be spending more and more time away from us. And the coaches will have more influence on her than we will. And I'd go, yeah, you're right. But I really don't want her to quit. You know, it was one of those kinds of things. I really understood what he was saying, and I agreed with him. But I was trying to find a way we could have both. Mm -hmm. And so we went. <laughs> oh, yeah, she was. <laughs> so we went back and forth for a long time. And finally, I thought, okay, we are not coming to a solution. We're not coming to an agreement. And one of us needs to give. And I thought, I need to be the one to give. Because Dennis is my husband, and I have to trust that God is working through him for not just my good, but for Rebecca's good and for her well-being. And and so I, I said to the Lord before I said to Dennis, I said, okay, I'm going to be the one to give on this, and we're going to go with his value system, which is we have more time with her, which I agreed with. I wasn't disagreeing with it. But I'm going to follow his leadership in this decision in our marriage and in our family. And I said... I think he's wrong, and I think I'm right, so I'm going to give you 24 hours to change his mind, and I want you to change his mind, <laughs> and then I'll tell him, you know, so I kind of had this little deal going with God, and I didn't, I don't think I said I'd anything to him right away. i that prayer. Oh, I did pray that prayer. I remember it vividly, and God didn't change his mind, and I went, okay, Lord, then that must mean that you, that, that that's not what you want for Rebecca, that you want her to come home and be with us. And so I told him that. And I was so surprised at how easily Rebecca took it. I thought she'd be disappointed. I thought she'd be heartbroken. I thought she would really miss it. She hardly skipped a beat. And I realized once we said no to that, how much time we gained back. We gained an hour and a half plus every day of just car trips and carpooling with other families to get these girls to this gym. And it was such a remarkable shift and such a clear confirmation from God that it was like, okay, you were right. Clearly, you were right. And I'm so glad that I was willing to trust God in this. So that was a values decision that we went back and forth over for months. And most parents are going to do that over one thing or another in the course of raising children to adulthood. And again, we're back to, to the two big ideas here, which are mom and dad need to be on the same page. Mm -hmm. If you're divided on this, and if the kids know you're divided, that's not good for them. Mm -mm. It's not no, good for your marriage. They'll exploit That's right. In, in fact, our kids knew 
they, they quit. Instead of coming to me and saying, can I do this, they, they learned to come to me and say, would you talk to mom about this oh. so that we can <laughs> I can get an answer? They just knew anything they were going to ask, can I do this, my answer was going to be, your mom and I are going to talk about that. Yeah. We made that a default decision in our home. And weren't you a little bit more of a softy than, than I, Marianne? I was a little more. Marianne said at one point, you will probably never be too firm with the children. <laughs> and and she was right. It was going to be my natural tendency to be soft and pliable. I needed her to balance out my soft side on that. So they need to be on the same page. And then if you've got some core values that you can look at and say, you know, this is important to us. Time with our kids is probably more important than them excelling in some skill area. Exactly. And And honestly, you look at it today, Barbara, and you see – what it takes for a kid to become an Olympic gymnast or a football player mm-hmm, or whatever mm-hmm. it is and and how to get to that level, the the compromises and the, the, the things that are given up can often be detrimental in the child's life. Exactly. And it really does rob you as a mom and a dad of time with your kids that you will never get again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's so easy when you're in it to feel like you're never going to get beyond the parenting years, but they really are so short. And if you allow your child to give his or her life to a sport or a cause or something that takes them away from the family and away from your influence, you never get those years back. You include instructions for how to do the core values That's right. project in the book. And do you include what your list of core values were? Uh, we we give folks a a pretty comprehensive list for them to choose their own because what ours were doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter, and I'm not trying to get you to adopt our core values. I'm trying to get you to pray, decide as a couple, and then begin to hammer it out hmm. because you're going to be far more effective as a couple if you are in agreement and and God is leading that agreement going forward. Well, you can get a copy of Dennis and Barbara's book and the Core Values Project as a part of that, the list of some potential core values, things that may help uh, spur your thinking about what your core values really are. It's included in the book, The Art of Parenting, and the book is available in our Family Life Today Resource Center. You can order the book from us online, or you can call 1-800-FL-TODAY to get your copy of the book. Of course, we've got the companion Art of Parenting video series that's available for church use. You can order that from us online as well at familylifetoday.com. And the Core Values Project is a part of the small group series as well. So again, look for the book or the small group series when you go to familylifetoday.com or call to order either resource at 1-800-358-6329. That's 1-800-F as in family, L as in life, and then the word today. You know, I wish there was some way to measure um, what happens in a family when mom and dad are aligned on their core values, what that brings to a family. We know the power that there is in having that kind of alignment, but there's really no clear-cut way to measure how important that is. I, I say that just because I want our listeners, and especially those of you who support this ministry and who make it possible for everyone else in your community— Uh, A part of what you're supporting is this kind of dialogue and interaction as we seek to equip and to train and encourage and challenge moms and dads, husbands and wives, 
all around the biblical principles related to marriage and family. We want to effectively develop godly marriages and families, and we're grateful for those of you who share that mission with us and who make it possible for Family Life Today to be heard by more people more regularly. Thanks for your support. In fact, if you can help with the donation today, we have a gift we'd like to send you. It's our 2019 Year of Togetherness calendar. It's all about things your family can do to help build togetherness in your home, activities that you can do throughout the year, verses you can memorize together, ways that you can connect relationally. And and we've talked today about how important that is. Again, the calendar is our thank you gift when you donate today online at familylifetoday.com or call to donate at 1-800-FL-TODAY. And we hope you can join us back tomorrow as we continue our conversation about what we need to be as parents to help the next generation thrive as we raise them. Dennis and Barbara Rainey will be with us again tomorrow. I hope you can be here as well. I want to thank our engineer today, Keith Lynch, along with our entire broadcast production team. On behalf of our host, Dennis Rainey, I'm Bob Lapine. We will see you back next time for another edition of Family Life Today. Family Life Today is a production of Family Life of Little Rock, Arkansas, a crew ministry. Help for today. Hope for tomorrow.